So it has been quite some time since I have done a review of anything, let alone manga. I think maybe my last manga review, God, was it wasn't Abandoned the Old in Tokyo and all that, was it? I've lost track. I don't think so. Because you've, you've done most of the vertical things, Tezuka-wise anyway. You did Otsukiri Hito and you did Apollo Song. Those were both examples of long-form works by Osamu Tezuka that were, you know, released in America, self-contained in one big volume. They were um, really good values. We said you should definitely pick them up for the money. And they've actually since gone ahead and split some of these up. Like Otsukiri Hito now is in two volumes as opposed to one big giant book. And so that brings me to uh, this book here that I've got in front of me. I had some reservations about reviewing it because I knew nothing about it until I bought it. I just bought it blind on the grounds that it's manga by Osamu Tezuka, whom we've talked about uh, many a time, as uh, recently as show 85D, when we reviewed um, The Art of Osamu Tezuka, God of Manga, by Helen McCarthy, which, as the time of recording, is on sale. It's like half off today on Amazon. Yeah, which makes it like, what, 12 bucks? $12, and normally it's like $40. Man, no I bought that. now not to buy it. I bought that, like, two weeks ago for $13. I was ripped off, clearly. In this case, we just made aware that the title existed back during a news segment uh, some time ago when we said Digital Manga Publishing, or DMP, was going to release an Osamu Tezuka work, which was shocking to me, quite frankly, because when I think of DMP publishing, I think of things that are pretty much gay porn. Yep. And... (laughs) Things that could turn into gay porn like Berserk. (laughs) The thing is, while they release that, they don't release it under their name. Berserk gets a pass. Berserk has technically got a Dark Horse label, even though DMP does the work on it. But the things with the DMP logo on it pretty much means... It's gay. Yeah. Actually, most of them have the June label now, but anyway. Now. I think the June one is only if you can see the erect actually entering the asshole. No, actually not, because they're all censored. Yeah, or that least... was the big story. <laughs> yeah. Was they still censor these shrink-wrapped comic yeah, books? Well, that's okay, that's fine it. if it's the censored erect penis. Otherwise, it's just kissing. Yeah, that makes, right. that makes it's, it's it classy. classy. Right. It does make it classy. <laughs> I cannot deny <laughs> the class inherent in that. So this manga compilation, Swallowing the Earth, has a very yaoi sounding name, <laughs> but it is not, in fact, a uh, gay porn well, by Osamu Tezuka. It depends Tezuka. on the gender of the person doing the swallowing, I suppose. So it's, it's ambiguous. It is a dude in this comic who is doing the swallowing of the earth. And this is not gay, so how? So to speak. Well, I'll get to that <laughs> eventually. Once I bought the book, I didn't hear anyone talk about it until I started to see a lot of reviews saying, this is a bad comic book. Yeah, that's the same thing I saw, and I was kind of surprised. Like, a lot of people were like, wow, the first Tezuka thing to be outright terrible. Yeah. And so I held off on it. I was like, huh, maybe I shouldn't have just bought this sight unseen, because for all the tons of things that Osamu Tezuka published, not all of them were especially great. Right. 
an Apollo song, our review of that, Gerald said it wasn't bad. It was very mediocre, and I got a couple of people calling me on that, actually. Actually, some people actually agreeing with me. I actually would not disagree with you. I would not say Apollo song is one of his like greatest works ever. No. And I might be inclined to say that for Swallowing the Earth, but this is sort of an extenuating circumstance. Because in the case of all those things, in the case of Otakirihito, in the case of Mu, in the case of Apollo Song, those were long-form works by Osamu Tezuka that he did sort of in the later part of his career. And we've talked about this many times in the past, but just to recap quickly, he sort of made his name making children's stories, children's comics and the like. And then following the uh, sort of Gekiga movement, which we talked about back when I reviewed uh, The Pushman and other stories, uh, Abandoned the Old in Tokyo and such, Tezuka sort of felt challenged by these guys to say, hey, I can go and do this sort of thing too. And that led to the creation of Blackjack, whom we've also talked about. But Swallowing the Earth is actually Osamu Tezuka's first attempt like ever at the long format serialized story-based manga that means this came out around 1968 and it was serialized in big comic which is interesting because big comic still exists Mm. they still put out various publications under the big comic umbrella title and believe it or not the eisner awards just came out and all of the manga i believe that are nominated for eisner's all of them are from big comics. Right. Yeah. They're all serialized by big comics. So they've, they've been around for a while. Like today, I believe all of the Naoki Urasawa manga mm-hmm. come out through big comic. And so they, they've definitely got uh, a history of prestige. And so Tezuka decided to, to write this as his first work that wasn't just something like, say, Astro Boy, where each story was pretty much done in a chapter or it went you know, maybe a couple of chapters before ending. Right. So that's actually interesting because, I mean, I haven't really read some of his older stuff, either because it's not available in English or I just haven't gotten around to it. But I thought that some of his previous ones had had ongoing storylines, like even back to um, New Treasure Island. New Treasure Island was pretty much, uh, it was short by comparison to mm. this. This is 500 pages long. And so I guess it was just a new thing for him to tell, like a long form dramatic kind of story oh. that wasn't kids based, supposed to be right. like sort of modern day thing. And what really sets the tone for Swallowing the Earth, I would have walked away with a totally different impression of this comic were it not for the foreword by pretty much the most renowned English language expert on the matter of Tezuka, Frederick Schott, knew Tezuka personally, did yeah. and does tons of his manga translations when they come out here. Doing the translations for Pluto, I believe, right now. Yeah. Yes, and that just wrapped up and concluded the U.S. release of that. One I, day we will get the interview that we did with him, the very brief interview <laughs> with him at Otakon. Yeah, I think, yeah, we got like five minutes. I reviewed Pluto like four years ago, back when it was still coming out in Japan and wasn't yet done. Well, now the whole thing is done, and it's great being released by Viz. And what Fred Shot notes anyway about Swallowing the Earth is that not only is it Osamu Tezuka's pretty much first attempt at the long format story manga, he says something that n- I would have never guessed in a million years from reading this, that Swallowing the Earth is meant to be a satire. Satire is something mm. that you don't typically think of 
when you think of Osamu Tezuka, you think of gags, you think of like maybe one-off weird bits of humor, but you don't really think like, oh, this whole overall thing is actually meant to be satirical in nature because usually he's got some sort of a message and you just sort of write it off as being part of like an idiosyncratic charm to the fact that you're reading a comic book from the 60s or 70s that it's the way it is. If I hadn't read that, I would have read this whole manga as I did and not thought uh, a second thought of it supposedly meant to be like tongue in cheek. But the idea here is following the Second World War, Japan was going under various reconstructions. There was all sorts of social upheavals and the like. This is the same subject matter that was covered by the Gekiga artists and manga authors as well. And so Tezuka wanted to have his sort of say in the various goings on like that. Even in when we talked about Mu, a key plot point of that was the American military involvement in Japan, their bases and such. In this case, what Swallowing the Earth is primarily about is two things. The main one as is on the cover, which sort of like gives away, aha, that's why DMP picked this one, is about the concept of women's rights and what like their place was going to be in the new Japanese society mm-hmm. because the basic plot of Swallowing the Earth, as it were, has to do with this... Uh, <laughs> It's going to sound almost Koike-like when I break this down. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for it. It has to do with the fact that there was a woman who was wronged in her life such that she lost her fortune due to her meddling husband who was, of course, collaborating with, I believe it was the Nazis, on horrible scientific weapons of doom and despair. And so on her deathbed, she swore to her daughters, her seven identical daughters, that they needed to do three things to do justice to her mother's memory. And and that was to... If any of you have ever seen the movie Fight Club, yeah, they basically have to implement Tyler Durden's plan. Hmm. Like They have to make it such that money is worthless in the world, and they have to put men in their place because men are the cause of like all suffering in the world. And they basically just have to tear the fabric of civilization down entirely. Now, the way they go about doing this is the most convoluted scheme <laughs> I could possibly think of. Of course, yeah. Kazuo Koke, at least, you know, his heroes eventually get to their goal. They think in their mind, like, yeah, this makes sense as they're doing whatever Even ridiculous stuff. Even though he has stuff. the most ridiculous stuff. <laughs> in this one, I refuse to believe that anyone actually thought that this was a good plan. <laughs> because it requires enough conveniences that if it weren't for that simple convenience they would have never gotten this plan off the ground because the way that they're going to devalue the concept of money throughout the world is that they happen to be on an island which has the combined gold deposits of two national treasure movies starring Nicolas Cage Mm. because there's a lost civilization that just has gold aplenty so if they leak enough gold into the market, the value of money will drop because the concept of fiat currency doesn't exist, I guess, in this world. That's the first thing. The second thing they need to do in order to have society collapse is just have widespread rampant crime. And the way that they're going to have widespread rampant crime is that their mom happened to have a friend who happened to have invented a 
substance known as Dermoid Z, which is basically the masks from Mission Impossible. You can put this on and you are a totally different person. Uh, apparently your voice doesn't matter because they say like, oh, anyone can be anybody with Dermoid Z. Well, that happens a lot in series where characters have to go into disguise. They never really explain how they make their voice sound different enough. But this is men disguising as women, children disguising themselves right. as adults. Do they ever like hack I mean, up a ring in, in their throat or something? <laughs> no, there's no riding bean excuse either. <laughs> the same thing happened in Mew, didn't it? Like Yuki would disguise himself as women and no one would ever know. Well, we could just accept that as him being sort of a ladies-like kind of guy. I would accept that. That's true. But in Tezuka's mind, he was trying to also do like a commentary on race relations in the world. Mm. And so once they oh, leave dear. the Dermoid Z, let me just let me just put it this way. You know like how when you get Blade of the Immortal and there's that disclaimer in the front that says the swastika isn't the Nazi swastika? Uh-huh. And you know like how when you get Astro Boy... There's this big written disclaimer that says Japanese people maybe never saw black people before. <laughs> oh, boy. Or uh, people from other races. <laughs> Let's see the, the disclaimer in the front of Swallowing the Earth. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to read it. It's very, very short. Characters and events depicted in Swallowing the Earth reflect the generally accepted mores of Japanese society from the time period in which they were created. Today, some of these depictions may seem outdated or racially insensitive. <laughs> So, um, when Dermoid Z comes out, this takes place in the 60s. In America, in the 1960s, very much in the middle of the civil rights movement with uh, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and stuff. Right. So, the black people get a hold of the Dermoid Z, and they rejoice, because finally, they can just all disguise themselves as white people Mm. and live happily ever after. But the white people don't like that, so they start rounding up people (laughs) and lynching them if they are, are suspected of being black. Oh, boy. I was afraid that Tezuka's approach to race relations would be something like that. That's interesting, because I haven't actually really heard people discuss the racial elements of this. I always really just heard about the male versus female. Right. The the male versus female general applications is part of it, but a huge part of it is this race part. And eventually, you know, like how in Crying Freeman, which you just reviewed, Gerald, Mm -hmm. You talked about how it started with one premise, but then you get the feeling that the author just got tired of that premise and started doing something entirely different. Yeah, that actually (laughs) happens often with Koike. Well, maybe he learned it from Osamu Tezuka in this book, (laughs) because whether it's because it was his first time trying the long-form storytelling, or he just got bored, Tezuka became much more interested in this Dermoid Z idea than in this plot-by-women-to-get-revenge idea. And so entire sections of this book have nothing to do with the main characters or the main narrative at all. It could have been its own story where the premise was just there's this substance that lets you put on and assume anyone's identity. And so there's multiple like extended sections where they just tell like a weird sort of sci-fi-ish tale of people impersonating other people and committing crimes and people impersonating other people and setting up like a, a fake family where everybody is actually impersonating someone else, and they all know this, and they don't care, because they're a family, damn it. I would say, of the 500 pages, this is at least a quarter of the book. Mm. Stories like this. Eventually, Tezuka goes back to it. Maybe he had writer's block at the time and didn't know what to do. But the main character of Swallowing the Earth is a guy by the name of Gohan Matsuseki, 
This is like the gayest sounding character description I could possibly give, but it's all true. <laughs> Gohan Matsuseki is a sailor. I could stop right there. There we go. But he is a sailor who hates all women because he's a man's man. Yeah. Uh, and he keeps saying this. <laughs> women? I have no interest in women. I'm a man's man. I remember when they said that in Battle Angel Alita to denote the fact that, you know, a character was gay. Since like, listen, I'm a man's man. But Gohan Matsuseki is your quintessential Shenmue hero, always looking for a place for sailors hanging out. And he's got the strength of 500 men or something like that. He's kind of like Popeye, only instead of Popeye who eats spinach to get his super strength. You might want to stop that sentence right there. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where swallowing the earth comes in. Right. Yes, it's exactly where. No, uh, unfortunately, it's it's not. uh, It's not as hilarious as that. No. Go on, Watsuseki has to get incredibly drunk and then he swallows the earth. The title Swallowing the Earth comes from the fact that when he is inebriated, he feels invincible and like he could swallow the earth as far as the amount of liquor that he could drink. Oh, I thought it, I I figured it, you know, related to the plan to like, the plan to destroy everything and thus swallow the earth. And no, it's not, has nothing to do with that. He just sort of says it offhand. (laughs) And so Gohan Matsuseki being this very honest guy who is completely nonplussed by women, so to speak, is unfazed by the seven girls who eventually grow up and are all identical looking. And their name for all these girls is Zephyrus. And Zephyrus is basically the ultimate Asian man's and also black man's kryptonite. She's (laughs) a tall, blonde, white woman with blue eyes and big ol' hooters and stuff like that, such that any man that sees Zephyrus goes crazy in love with her and dedicates their entire life to Zephyrus because she's so hot. Now, is this the first book that she appears in? It's the first book she ever appeared in. I believe she appeared in like Blackjack Mm -hmm. Volume 10 or something like that. But this is her debut as far as being part of Tezuka's cast of characters. You don't really see Zephyrus used too much in other manga. Yeah, she plays the Black Queen in Blackjack. She was also in Unico, if anyone saw that. Oh, she right. was the West, the West Wind. Wind. Yeah. Oh, her. Because oh, the crap. West Wind is, yeah, that's the Zephyr oh, of mythology. I right. see. The idea of it is Zephyrus is very beautiful and unaging. The story begins where after the war, one of the Japanese POWs crash landed on some island and met Zephyrus and had the porking of his life, then went crazy for like the rest of his years. Pining after <laughs> Zephyrus. He has like a photo of her. If anyone sees the photo of Zephyrus, they're driven completely mad with lust and desire to find Zephyrus. Because, oh my God, she is so beautiful. See, that's what I heard mentioned a lot in the summary. So I actually thought that that was their plan for ruining the world was just to drive men crazy. To drive men crazy by being Asian man and black man's kryptonite. That's just a cog in the wheel of the plan. (laughs) Because, yeah, they do find like some crazy millionaire or whatever to shack up with. But in addition to the Dermoid Z, it's eventually revealed, and I have to spoil it, it's too good of a spoiler, and it kind of happens early on. But it's revealed that they aren't even really having rocktacular sex with these guys. They're giving them LSD and then having them have sex with a blow-up doll. <laughs> and that's the best sex any of these guys ever had. Man, did... did LSD blow-up doll sex. Did, did he... This is such a koike thing. 
like right there. It's ridiculous. I, 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 I think now we know where it came from. Well, Koike was already working and established by this time. Maybe they really, met each other he? at a bar. When did he start working? He started working on like Golgo 13 and stuff like that. Yeah. So he was around. The other part of the plan, uh, there's another Tezuka cast member who you don't typically see too often called Rainbow Parakeet. Yes. Who is the scientist who invents Dermoid Z, oh, as okay. it were. I really want his manga to come out here. In the U.S. The idea of Rainbow Parakeet is that Rainbow Parakeet is sort of this master of disguise, which fits in very well with the, the Dermoid yes. Z Possibly gimmick. the gayest name I've ever heard in my life as well. Yeah, it's basically kind of a Lupin the Third sort of thing. So he's like a thief and like a master of disguise because he's like the greatest actor on the face of the earth. But replace Zenigata in that equation with a hot chick. And then they have kind of romantic tension. So anyway, Gohan Matsuseki is not getting played by this LSD blow-up doll scheme that Zephyrus uh, has concocted. And so naturally, they fall madly in love with him for existing, or at least one of them does. Mm. And the other six are like, you can't fall in love with a man because that's against the rules. How are we going to exact our revenge? We have done away with love because men are the devil. I don't know, weird hijinks involving like secret hideouts. And uh, oh, yeah, I forgot the part where there's a whole chapter of Gohanmatsu Seki crash landing on a more different desert island that's home to native black people, like oh, African boy. black people. Oh, boy, I remember, I remember Tezuka's depiction of these in his other work. He ends up getting two enormously fat, obese daughters of the chief to be his wives for the time while he's repairing his plane. <laughs> They're so, like, hilariously racist, simian-featured, big, giant, scary necks uh, because, I guess, of the, you know, rings and such. If R. Crumb were to release this now, you would think, oh, you crazy R. Crumb. But this is, like, supposed to be... It's it's not For real? inherently a joke. Yeah, It's satire. I never would guess it was satire based on all the other crazy stuff from this time I've read. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just taking Fred Shot as his word. It's like, yeah, it's a satire. Mm. But... You know, when it's got stuff like they bartered their virginity for a, a piece of wood and then they're like, good trade. You know, it's like, is this really a joke? Uh, well, what it sounds what, like did, kind did he, of a mess overall. Did he say what he was satirizing? Yes, he said he was satirizing like the, the war in Vietnam, the Cold War, the feminist movement, the economy stuff. The, I mean, the American post-war occupation of Japan. These were the things that... He was presumably satirizing. Okay, well, I mean, while it is completely allowable for someone to satirize that, that does sound a little bit bullshit. And it's also, I guess, there was the whole nationalist movement going on as far as, like, Viva Japan and all that. But it seems like it's really one of those things that to actually get it, I would probably have to be more aware of what was going on at that time in not just Japan, but also manga. I can understand from having read some of his things that, all right, Tezuka is known for this, that, and the other thing, and for Swallowing the Earth, he's really trying to get away from the gags, right. get away from the star system. It's not like Astro Boy is in this. It's not like Shunsaku Ban is in this and, you know, his cast of characters. It's very similar to Mu in the sense that most all of these characters are not typically you know known although like we said zephyrus and rainbow parakeet and such have appeared in other things since i don't really know how to recommend this it's interesting i didn't hate the book but 
I wouldn't say it's his greatest manga. It's not like it's on the level of stuff like Phoenix or Adolf or or Buddha. Did you read Apollo's song? Yeah, I own it. Okay, would you say this is better or worse than that? I like this more than Apollo's okay, song. Okay, because Apollo's song, I think, is probably the weakest thing from Tezuka I've ever read. I don't think this has quite the same levels of weird problems as Apollo's song. The protagonist isn't completely unrelatable, even though he's hilariously goofy. There's no, like, weird surrealist montages of sperm races and sudden cuts to the future and stuff like that. This is much more weirdly straightforward. It's just, it's straightforward in this completely non sequitur, throwaway real logic and just embrace the logic of manga kind of way. It's really not a kind of thing that I would recommend to people who aren't already familiar with Osamu Tezuka in general. I would say if this was the first thing you read by him, which it is almost guaranteed not to be due to the size of it and the fact that it costs $25 and the fact that I've never seen it physically in a store shelf before. I had to get mine off of Amazon. It was out of print. It was sold out on Amazon for a really long time after it came out. And so I don't think uh, anyone is going to be buying this who isn't already an Osamu Tezuka enthusiast. They'd already know like, okay, yeah, Tezuka likes to draw white people as big, huge, blonde-haired, blue-eyed people with a lot of hair. And Japanese people in the war are drawn like those old propaganda cartoons from America with like the giant buck teeth and the glasses and all that. And it's like, you're a Japanese dude doing this, Tezuka. And, but I enjoyed it because it was so batshit crazy that every chapter, like every new plot development was like, well, that was unexpected. Like, suddenly, rioting broke out in Grenada because money started raining from the sky. When did that happen? It's like, oh, never mind, because now there's a, you know, tragedy going on in Holland and Germany because banks are shutting down due to the fact that Glenn Beck's gold is all over the place. Well, I'm quite convinced that Tezuka did quite a bit of LSD in his time. Maybe this was one of the points where he was doing that sort of stuff. I think... There was a part, do you remember there was a story in Blackjack, Clarissa, mm -hmm. where there was a hospital that had a computer, and the computer was what was going to, like, yeah. more efficiently treat people yeah, yeah. better than anyone. And Blackjack had to cure the supercomputer. Had to cure the computer, because if you know how to be a surgeon, you can do IT work as well. <laughs> yeah. Vice versa, too. There's a whole sequence in this that just cuts to suddenly a, a scene in a hospital, like a high-tech hospital, and then everyone is sealed in the hospital. It's very, very similar to that story mm. out of nowhere. Yeah, he may have reused the concept. It doesn't involve a sentient rogue AI computer. It just happens to be like, uh, don't know what to do. I'm a doctor. Let me write a hospital story. Mm. You know, that kind of thing. Swallowing the Earth is just this really weird story. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily strike you as to how weird it is until you try to like talk about it to somebody else. But the amount of things that they just expect you to accept at face value is pretty much Michael Bay level as far as absurdities go, because the amount of plot conveniences and weird, bizarre happenstances or just strange things that just wouldn't fly as far as leaps of logic, like, oh, this is happening. That definitely means that their plan is to go here and do this. 
it's pretty constant throughout the book. I'm not going to say I regret the purchase. I think it's <laughs> it's entertaining. But if you're going to start with Tezuka, I would say go to our review index and look at some of our previous reviews, particularly some of the vertical stuff. Buddha was probably the best one, but it's also long. I would say Otsukiri Hito is a one-shot thing that's maybe one or two books long, depending on which edition you get. And that's a little more refined attempt at what Tezuka is trying to do here. Yeah. It's still kind of antiquated as far as the Gekiga hero is the guy who brutally rapes the girl and then keeps going as if nothing happened and you're supposed to. But, you know, it's it's still a little more solid as far as like how the narrative fits together, how these characters interact and what does this have to do with that? I mean, it'll go on like a side story. It's like, oh, and now the hospital drama and now out in the wilderness and now a woman whose talent is being deep fried and batter. But Otsukiri Hito at least is more cohesive than Swallowing the Earth. So I'll give Tezuka a break because of Fred Schott's foreword where it said he'd never tried this before, still wasn't quite the perfect master of doing everything flawlessly the first time around, which is kind of a relief because everything you hear about Tezuka is like, the superhuman impossible standard of greatness as far as doing everything and doing everything well. To know that Swallowing the Earth is out there, to know that it's above average to average is kind of relieving. So I would say don't pay full price for Swallowing the Earth. The retail price listed on this is $25, but you can get this online for about $15 or $16, Hmm. which is actually about the price of some single volumes of manga now. Like, I remember volumes of Pluto are about $12. They're pretty big, but they're not, you know, 500 pages big. This is about the cost of a nicer volume of manga nowadays. And so, if you look at it that way, I would say it's not that big a deal. I mean, I've certainly paid uh, more money for lesser manga than this in the past. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'll agree with all the reviews of this I've heard prior to this, saying that it's his first bad comic. It's definitely a different comic. <laughs> I wouldn't go so far as to say it is a bad comic, because I was entertained by it. If it failed to entertain me, then it would be a bad comic. This is not bad at all. You'll probably just be shaking your head a lot, though, as you read it. He's a man. 